This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Welcome to Amazing Grace for another week. I pray you will be blessed. My name's Lynette and I'm joined by my husband, Dennis. Here at Amazing Grace, we want to hear from you. We also have some free giveaways. The book Steps to Christ. And if you check out the local takeaways here in Palmerston North, you will find a magazine called The Signs. And... This is a free giveaway and it has articles on health and the family and issues that we face in life every day. And yes, we would be really happy to pray for your friend or family member on or off ear. You can contact us by either email and the email is info at mpr.nz or text us. The email address is sorry, email address I've just given you. The text number is 022-6815216. And we'd like to start the program today with a um, few thoughts from the um, book in the Bible, Jeremiah 2913. And which says, And you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen. To know God, we must seek for him. If we do seek, we shall find him in his works, in his word, and in our hearts. But it must be our vocation and not our ad. Avocation, avocation. We shall not find God by a glance here and there, by a careless flipping of the pages, a thoughtless prayer now and then, a wandering mind. We must search as though our life depended upon it, as indeed it does. We are to search with all our heart. God demands earnestness and sincerity. Even skeptics respect that. When David Hume, the agnostic, was criticised for listening to John Brown, a Scotch minister, he replied, I don't believe all that he says, but he does. And once a week, I like to hear a man who believes what he says. God says, Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will listen to you. 
Jeremiah 29.12 When? When will he listen to us? When will he listen? When you shall seek me and search for me with all your heart. Jesus said, You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Matthew 6.24 We cannot hold on to God with one hand and the world with the other. If we try it, we will wind sorry, we will wind up being wholehearted for the world and faint-hearted for God. The apostle said, "This one thing I do, this one thing I do." Philippians 3:13. When Matthew sitting at the receipt of customs was called by Jesus, he got up and left all the money on the table and followed him. At the Lake of Galilee, the disciples had just made the most successful haul of fish in their whole experience, but when they got to the shore, they forsook it all and followed Jesus. They were dead in earnest, and that is why they will live forever. They found God in Christ because they were wholehearted. Dear Heavenly Father, hear the right, O Lord, attend unto my cry. Give ear unto my prayer that goes out from my lips. Psalms 17 verse 1. Amen. Yes, and now we're going to have a song. Walking stone I am changing less and less asleep, made of different stuff than when I began, and I've sensed it all along. Fast approaching is the day when the world is falling.
listening to Amazing Grace and we was just listening to Brooke Fraser. And so now for the health tip this week. We've been going through the book by um, Dr. Darren Morton, Live More Happy. And he has an acronym and we've gone over the first one, which is um, the acronym is SMILERS. And the first one was to do with speak positively because our brain, our limbo is listening and it actually reacts to what we say to ourselves and to others. And the second um, one is motion creates emotion. So in the word smilers, we've done the S and now we've partway through the M, motion creates emotion. And last time we talked about three simple things that we can actually do to actually help our emotional states. And these simple actions are slow breathing, Anxiety is actually associated with shallow and rapid breathing. In fact, we can actually bring on an anxiety attack by breathing like that. And so the opposite, if we slow down our breathing and take deep breaths, it actually helps send the message to our brain to relax. Sipping water. Have you noticed that when you're nervous, your mouth goes dry? Well, he says, Dr. Darren Morton says that um, he's he's into hand gliding and so he always takes a bottle of water and whenever he feels nervous, he takes a sip. And he said if you um, have a fear of public speaking, it's a really good idea to take s- some small sips of water before you get up to speak. And uh, the uh, last one we covered last week was sync. That means that's talking about relaxing our, our muscles Our muscles, when we're gripped with fear or anxiety, they tighten up. And if we actually deliberately relax our shoulders, wriggle our fingers, and um, we're actually allowing our body to sink to, we're sending calming messages to our limbo via our proprioceptors. Alrighty, so the takeaway message is that what we do with our body can have a profound effect on our limbo. The two-year-old part of our brain that affects our emotions. And the former president of American Psychological Association, Dr. Martin Seligman, has urged that at least half of positive psychology occurs below the neck. On our body, how it affects our mind. Knowing that motion creates emotion provides an excellent opportunity for us to change our emotional state. Unfortunately, many of us are not acting in our own best interests. But we can be purposefully but we can purposefully use the proprioceptors distributed throughout our body to tick, to trick, sorry, our two-year-old like limbo into creating the emotions we want. It's a simple principle. Act how you want to feel. 
next section is um, subtitled Don't Just Sit There. Researchers from the University of Auckland in New Zealand conducted an intriguing study in which they strapped participants with tape so that they were forced into either a slumped or upright seated posture to see how it affected their mood and stress levels. The participants remained in this posture for about half an hour while the researchers conducted a series of tests. Compared to those who were who, with the slumped posture, the upright participants reported a significant mood lift as well as feeling more motivated, less fearful and more confident. During the experiment, participants were asked to write a speech and the slump participants used more negative and sad words. Isn't that interesting? If you want to feel depressed, act like it in the way you position your body and the feeling will grow on you. It is my belief that part of the reason we have an epidemic of depression today is because many people are acting like they are depressed for hours every day. An increasing number of people spend much of their day hunched over a computer, shoulders slumped forward and head downcast. A posture like that causes our millions of proprioceptors to send depressive signals to our limbo. Part of our brain that affects our emotions. There's nothing wrong with lazing about for t- from time to time, but the problem is that we tend to do so much sitting nowadays which leads to slumping. It is not uncommon for people to be bottom-dwelling for 15 or more hours every day, (laughs) which is truly remarkable given that most people are only awake for 16 to 18 hours. We sit to eat breakfast, we sit to commute to work, we sit hunched over in front of a computer at work, we sit to commute home, we sit for dinner and then because we are so exhausted we sit in front of a screen until bedtime. So we can do it all again the next day. There are two things that we can do to help prevent our limbo getting the message that we are down so that it doesn't make us feel more that way. First, when seated, sit up straight with good posture. I once attended a media training course and one of the first things they taught was that when being interviewed, even if on radio, where the listeners cannot see you, sit up straight and lean forward slightly. Why? Because this posture makes us come across more energetic and animated. In effect, our proprioceptors bombard our lombo with the limbo, sorry, with the message that we are alive and well. So we feel that way and come across that way to others. Second, stand up. Historically, national physical activity guidelines only provided guidance as to how long and how hard we should exercise for good health. Now they also warn against sedentary behaviours, like too much sitting. It is recommended that people should get 
on their feet for a few minutes every hour or so to break up prolonged periods of sitting. And it's interesting because this is just on um, TV last week on a program we have here um, called Seven Sharp and talking to a guy uh, who was a specialist in the area of health and exercise and he said it the more the the more likely we are to sit for long periods much our our risk of heart attack is is greatly increased so yes the takeaway lesson is to pay careful attention to our posture to give our limbo a lift sit up and stand up not only will we feel better, we might discover other benefits too. A study conducted at Havard Business School found that adopting an open, expansive posture for just two minutes before giving a speech as part of a job interview resulted in the interviewees rating the interview. Let's get this right. Okay, the interviewers rated the interviewee as more confident and employable. Okay. But there is an even better way to activate our proprioceptors for good effect. And I think we're going to find out what that is next time. So yes, we'll have another song now. Into my heart Come in
So, welcome. We're you're listening to Amazing Grace, and now we're going to um, have Dennis sharing from his series he's been doing on the Book of Revelation. Thank you, Dennis. Yes, welcome, welcome. Um, it's great to be with you um, today. Uh, Revelation is a wonderful book, um, but you must understand the symbols and the Bible is its own interpreter. And uh, I've been telling you about a um, series, um, and it's called Revelation, Hope, Meaning and Purpose. And it's just little books going through the book of Revelation. Now, when I say little books, it's only a few pages. Um, This one I've got, which is number two. Um, session two, which deals with Revelation two um, and three, um, there's only twenty pages in it. So it's going through and helping people to understand uh, the main points of what the Book of Revelation is all about. Now, last time that we were here, we talked um, about uh, the Church of Thyatira, which is um, in Revelation two. Verses 18 um, down to the end of the chapter. Now, we got up to um, verse 24 last time, um, and I'll just read from there, and it says, Now to you, I say, and to the rest, rest, come back to that, in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, Um, As they say, I will put on you no other burdens. And then it says, verse 25, Hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works unto the end, to him I will give power over the nations. See the promise there? He shall rule them with a rod of iron and shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. And I also, as I also have received from my father, and I will give him the morning star, morning star, and he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So um, some marvelous promises there. As you go through the book of Revelation, you start in the first church, one promise, and when you get to the sixth church, you've got... Um, six promises, and then the last one, um, the seventh church, you have a culmination of them all, really. So we're just going to have a break now, and we will come back. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. Hi and welcome back to Amazing Grace. Yes, and remember... Here at Amazing Grace, we want to hear from you. And we also have some free giveaways. The book, Steps to Christ. And if you check out the local takeaways here in Palmerston North, you will probably find a small magazine called Signs. 
and it has articles on health and family and issues that we face in life every day. And we would be happy to pray for you or a family member or a friend off air or on air. And you can contact us by either email, and that is info at mpr.nz. And you can also text us on 0226815216. So now back to Dennis with the series on Revelation. Welcome back. And, uh... Yes, the most fascinating book in, in the Bible. Um, so um, in verse 24 there it says, Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira. Now that's interesting. The rest actually represents um, the remnant, the remnant. Um, so God always has a remnant. Now I was going to ask my wife to um, look at First um, Kings nineteen verse ten. Do you have that, Lynette? If we could read that verse. Yes, sure. Nineteen verse ten of First Kings says. So, he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword, and I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Mm. And then read verse 18, please. Yes, and here we go. Yet... I have reserved 7,000 in Israel. God is saying this. All whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. Mm, Isn't that interesting? So Elijah thought he was the only one left faithful because in the time of Jezebel and Ahab, it was um, was a very... um, a trying time for people and um, Jezebel was extremely wicked and Ahab, um, <clears throat> he was just as bad, went along with Jezebel. So um, it says there God had 7,000 alone in Israel who had not bowed the knee. Um, so all this is, is a picture of the end of the world actually. Um, in, in Revelation 12, Verse seven. Now, this is before the final crisis. We we as a world are heading to a crisis. You can see, you can see what's happening in the world. Uh, you know, and nature is just out of control. These floods and these fires, and our our planet is getting really affected by it. And a lot of people' lives have been disrupted, and there's a lot of pain. So you look at the floods, you know, in in, in China. Um, look what's happened in Europe. They've got fires in Europe. They've got fires in America, and they've had fires in Canada. Heat waves, you know. So um, now, in, in Revelation twelve verse seventeen is a really interesting verse. Now it says, um, "And the dragon, the dragon." was enraged with the woman. The dragon was enraged with the woman. Um, for instance, um, in verse 9, Revelation 12 verse 9, it says, The great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, 
called the devil and Satan. He deceives the whole world, and um, and he was cast on the earth, and his angels were cast with him. So the dragon, the old serpent, remember back in the Garden of Eden, it was the serpent who deceived Eve, right? So it says here, the dragon, which is Satan, he's enraged with the woman. The woman represents God's people, all those who are born again have the Spirit of God. And it says that the dragon, um, he is enraged with the church, the remnant. He went to make war with the rest. See there, rest, which means the remnant um, of her, um, her offspring, or other versions say remnant. And it says, who keep the commandments of God and they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Right, so isn't that interesting? So Satan's rage will be against God's people, especially in the last days. But those people are going to be faithful to all of God's commandments. Now, you have the same thing in chapter 14. You have the final messages that go to the world. Revelation 6 to 12 are the final messages that go to the world. And after that is the harvest. But in verse 12, it says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and and the faith of Jesus. So they keep their faith in Jesus, and uh, because of that, they keep God's commandments. Right. Now, in um, back in chapter 2, talking about Thyatira, um, it talks about... Um, in verse 24, um, it says, um, Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, um, as many as you do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I'll put no more burden on you. So um, other versions can say um, the deep um, secrets of Satan. So what what would um, what would be Satan's so-called deep secrets? Um, now we want to have a look at um, just some verses. Now um, we want to look um, at First uh, Timothy 4, 1-2. Now Lynette, you're going to read that, aren't you? Mm-hmm. So, 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2 says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Right. So... In the last days, it says there's going to be lots of deception. Satan is going to bring lots of deception upon the world. Now, um, there's quite a lot of verses in the Bible that talk about that. We have that in Matthew 24, um, deceiving spirits, watch out that no one deceive you. Um, And 
we have it um, in a lot of places. Um, like in every spiritual crisis, there were demons were there to um, deceive people. And so it's going to be no different in the last days. So now I'm reading from Second Corinthians 2 and verse 11, and it says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Not ignorant of his devices. In um, chapter 4, this is Second Second Corinthians, chapter 4 and verse 4, and it says, Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of God, who is the image of God, should shine upon us. So Paul's saying in um, 2.11, he's saying we should not be ignorant of his devices. So I could ask, do you know what his devices are? What's Satan's devices? Um, do you know any of them? Um, now, he has lots of devices. Now, um, and it says there he's deceiving the whole world. Um, the God of sight, he's blinded. Those who do not believe, do not believe. Um, now, I, I read a wonderful book, and I'll have this book to the rest of my days. Um, and it was written in the 16th century. It's written by a Puritan. The Puritans were those that um, were real Bible students, and uh, they lived their faith. But it's by Thomas Brooks, and... Um, He's written a book called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. And it is a really, really good book. Um, and he goes through about 70 devices of Satan. And you will learn a lot. If, now, you can buy it um, if you're in Palmerston or in New Zealand. You can buy it in any manner shop. You just go there and ask it. If they don't have it, they will bring it. So it's a really, really good book. Tremendous book. It not only gives Satan's devices, but it gives remedies against his devices. It has illustrations, it has stories, it has lots of Bible verses. It's a very, very good book. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, Satan's out to deceive us. So, um, what Christ calls the uh, the depth of Satan is satanic delusions in his devices. So they are the deep things of God, I mean of Satan. So I, I think we should have a break now, Lynette, and then we'll come back. Friend, it's getting late. We should be going. We've been sat here to leave.
wonderful book of revelation it's full of um it's full of glory it's full of christ jesus um jesus is god he's king of kings and lord of lords and he comes back to rescue his people so it's a marvelous book and um so much of it deals with the final events of verse history and we see it in so many different ways um but see God wants his people he wants us to be victorious and I'm just going to read um verse 26 and I'm reading from the amplified bible and it says he who overcomes is victorious and who obeys my commands to the very end Doing the works that please me, I will give him authority and power over the nations. Isn't that amazing? Right then there, there's a fabulous verse in the Bible. Um, If it wasn't there, you wouldn't believe it. But you remember how Jesus overcame, sat down, and uh, he's been given authority over everything. Now, in Revelation 3... In verse 21, it says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So him that overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down on my father's throne. He has all authority and all power in heaven and earth. Isn't that an amazing verse? Now, I'm just going to get um, Lynette to read Revelation 22 and verse 5. Thank you. Mm -hmm. 
There shall be no more night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign for ever and ever. Right. So there's a number of verses in the Bible talking about God's people reigning with Christ forever and ever. We're going to sit on the throne. We have no idea what that means, but it just seems amazing that we as sinners who have fallen the greatest but redeemed because of what Jesus has done, he is going to raise us up to be the highest. And in the book of Revelation, it says that God will come and tabernacle with us. He will live with us. This will be the center of the universe, this little planet. This little planet that rebelled against God one day will be the home of God and the home of the saved. Now, you need to be there. You and I can't do it on our own. We need God. The The basic choice that we have is to choose whether to accept God into our lives or to walk away from God. But to turn away from God will be um, a very sad day when Jesus comes. And um, he's the one. He's the one that can keep us um, steadfast. I love what Paul says. I love the verse. Um, it's in Timothy, and it says, I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep me from falling and to present me faultless before his throne. So there's a number of verses in that in the Bible that give that thought. Psalms 21, where David says, you know, and um, the, there's lots of other verses. So it's God that keeps us. So um, in this um, in this letter here um, to Thyatira, Jezebel um, has been um, prominent. She has been prominent. And in the letter, um, I mean the church before that, um, <coughs> we, we've talked about Balaam. So um, just a summary, a summary that this message of Jezebel for the last days means the message of Thyatira has a, a, a picture, um, a big picture in the book of Revelation. Um, so these messages to the um, to the churches, um, it's like dealing with that church, but it has a global uh, setting at the end of the world. Now, in, in Revelation, I just want to go to Revelation seventeen, and <clears throat> this is talking um, about. Um, the final events of Earth's history. And here, I'm going to read from verse 3, 3 and 4. That's all I'm going to read. And so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman, see a woman, sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of the names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. In verse 4, it says, The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adored with gold and precious stones and pearls and having on her head a golden cup full of the abomination and the filthiness of her fornication. So, see, here's a woman. We were reading about a woman in um, Revelation 12 where the dragon was enraged with the woman. 
and went to make war against those who um, keep God's commandments and hold faithful to Jesus. So a woman, there's two women in, in Revelation. You have one who are God's people, they're faithful. Um, and here um, we have a bad woman. So it represents a, a bad church. So you've got a bad church um, and a good church in, in, the, in Revelation. Now, just a summary here. Jezebel, we've been talking in, in our program that uh, we recorded before. Jezebel, she is a foreshadowing of the woman riding on the scarlet-coloured beast. And that's what we've been reading in, in Revelation 17. Now, um, so chapter 17 and 18, um, the system she represents Babylon, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. So like Jezebel, the Old Testament, wicked Babylon has a terrible end. Now, you know about Jezebel, um, how Ahab and Jezebel, they um, they took the land of Nabal and Jezebel came up with this idea how to kill Nabal and all his um, children so that Ahab could take over the land. And, and Elijah came and he said that where the dogs licked up Nabal's blood, they would lick up yours. And about Jezebel, the dogs would eat Jezebel. So she was thrown out the window and the, do- um, the horses... Trod her, trod on her, and she was killed. And um, when they came back, the dogs had eaten her. So she had a terrible end. And this is a picture of the church in the last days. So we have um, Jezebel in in the Old Testament, which represents bad religion, uh, and has a terrible end. So Babylon has been united to wicked government which she has seduced and ruled. So Revelation, um, which we will talk about um, later down the track, it says, Revelation, we have a false trinity of a dragon. So a dragon represents Satan. And then we have a beast, right, a beast, and we have a false prophet. Now, Christ's sacrifice was planned and executed by the union of Satan. So Satan was motivating the apostate Judaism right, and the Roman government. Those three things. You had Satan, bad religion, and government, the Roman government. That's what it was at the time of Jesus. So it's a picture of the end of the world. We have a dragon, a beast, and a false prophet. Balaam and um, Jezebel signify those who tempt God's people into apostasy through spiritual fornication, false worship. Um, Ahab and Jezebel represent church and state. Balaam and Balak. Balak was the, um, if I remember rightly, the king of Moab. And Balaam, he was a false prophet. So that represents church and state. So <clears throat> this is what we're going to see at the end of the world. We're going to see governments and bad religion combined together to enforce false worship. And there will be a lot of persecution. So um, this is what happened in Thyatira and these other churches. 
So what happened in a miniature setting back in that area, in that church, um, happened in the Dark Ages when we had church and state and terrible persecution um, in the Dark Ages. Many people lost their lives, and then we're going to we're going to have it again. So whenever you see religion, can any kind of religion controlling the state, there is always persecution. And um, because of the Western world taking on Christianity at the beginning, um, we have had freedom. We've had freedom, freedom of conscience. And today, unfortunately, um, many are turning away from believing in God and following God. And so we will come back to bad religion, bad religion, and um, the state. So that's what the Bible pictures coming again. So history just repeats itself because it says in um, it says in Ecclesiastes three verse fifteen. That um, that's how it works. So um, we've come to the end of our um, <clears throat> our thoughts dealing on Thyatira, but we would encourage you to um, look online for Revelation, Hope, Meaning, Purpose. So if you put that into Google, Revelation, Hope, Meaning, and Purpose, you can get these little booklets. Um, you have to pay for them, but they're well worth it, and um, it really makes the Book of Revelation easy to understand. Um, because <clears throat> everything in the Bible is meant to bless us. God wants to bless us. He wants to give us eternal life, but He wants us to study, and that's why He's given us a Bible. So um, we'll just leave those thoughts with you. Um, and uh, we'll turn it back over to you, Lynette. Mm. Thank you, Dennis. Some um, challenging thoughts there from the Bible and ones that we need to understand and to follow in these troubled times. Yes, so just before we close off for today, just want to remind you of the free giveaway, The Steps to Christ. If you're interested, it's a small booklet booklet and I highly recommend it it's really good and also in the local takeaways here in Palmerston North you'll find the magazine that is free called Signs on Health and Family and Issues We Face in Life Every Day so before we go I will just um, say a prayer Dear Heavenly Father we thank you for your word, for your truth for your guidance It's like a light that shines in a dark place, Lord. And we pray that you'll speak to our hearts, stir us, help us to seek you more and more as we see things, um, as we see the day approaching of your return. And Lord, I just ask that you'll bless those who listen and that you'll help us all to draw nearer to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, from all of us here at Amazing Grace, we pray that you will grow in grace. May the love of the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. God bless until next time. Whoa.